Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Is coming in gold and a world record. Ian Thorpe, the birth of a legend. 458 is the total, out of which Bradman has made 309 not out. It's a world's record. First ball in Test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. To this is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Here's your host, Sam Edmund. Hello and welcome to another edition of This Is Your Sporting Life, all for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Well, Tim Watson described today's guest as a beautiful kick of the footy who never played a bad game. He's a 300-gamer across 16 seasons and he played in two premierships along the way with his beloved Bombers. Gary Folds, you'd take that praise and run, wouldn't you? How are you going, Sam? Uh, yeah, Tim's uh, giving out a few awards and uh, uh, compliments in his character, so I'll take that, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today. But just to balance that out somewhat, we hear you might have also earned the nickname The Vault from a few of your footy trips. Uh, yes, that's right, Sam. Uh, that has unfortunately probably stuck with me for <laughs> a lot of years with some, some of the boys, um, mainly dating back to my... Uh, early days at the club when we used to have our footy trips up in Queensland and we uh, we were told to leave our valuables in the uh, hotel safe and uh, if we wanted to take them out or any cash to get it before we did that particular night and uh, for some reason I was running out of cash on the odd occasion and I asked a few of the players here and there if they could lend me 20 or 30 dollars and uh, the good part about it was by the next morning they'd probably uh, forgotten about it and uh, I was able to um, to get away with it on occasions, but uh, they did finally wake up, and that name has uh, stuck pretty well. Well, as you know more than anyone, the nicknames on footy trips tend to stick better than otherwise. You've got red and black, Gary, coursing through your veins. You always have. You're a Bernard's College boy, born and raised in West Essendon as well. But were you a bomber growing up? When I was very young, I, uh, I, was, I lived in North Melbourne, and... Um, and then we moved to Essendon when I was about five and uh, built a house there. And, and from that time on, my dad uh, got uh, pretty keen on the footy and uh, used to take me to the games up at Windy Hill. And probably since, you know, ever since I can remember, I, uh, I barracked for the, for the Bombers. And, uh, you know, it was great to be able to uh, eventually play for the uh, team uh, in the area where I grew up. The term footy factory gets thrown around pretty loosely these days, but St Bernard's was very much that, wasn't it? A real rich history of producing AFL players, and uh, well, you ended up playing with them, the Madden brothers among them. Uh, that's true, yeah. In those um, those early days, I think, um, yeah, we had a uh, we had a pretty good uh, school side there. We had Simon playing. Uh, Justin was a bit younger, but um, quite a few other you know, boys at the time had. Played uh, VFL seconds and some uh, some seniors and and of course since then uh, over the years the the school has produced um, you know tens and um, well lots of players that uh, have made it yeah. 
Simon Madden was a phenomenal player, wasn't he, Gary? I mean, how would he have gone in today's game, do you think? And we see the likes of Dean Cox just being uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, and the ruck craft has changed. It's more athletically based now. How do you reckon Simon would have gone in modern-day footy? Oh, look, players like Simon would play well in any era, as uh, you know we've heard said before about certain uh, star players. But he um, he was an exceptional um, uh, ruckman in the sense of where he wanted to put the ball, and um, also one of his biggest assets, of course, was being able to go forward and mark and uh, kick uh, many goals over his career. Um, I suppose with uh, a lot of players, the training these days would have, uh, you know, enabled Simon to probably um, uh, be a, a more sort of rounded player and the fact that he would be able to get around the ground probably a bit more being a, uh, with different training and that sort of thing. So um, he uh, he would have uh, he would have gone very well, yeah. Okay, so Gary, raised in West Essendon, St Bernard's College as well, but your path to Windy Hill is a fascinating one and it started with a surprise knock at the door, didn't it? Uh, yes, it did. Um, I was tr- playing for my uh, local club, uh, West Essendon Youth Club, and uh, we came home from training. My brother and I, who my brother was playing as well, and uh, Martin, and he um, was sitting inside one night just on our own there, and uh, there was a knock at the back door, and he went and answered it and uh, came back, sat on the uh, couch and said, uh, there's Tudnam's at the back door, and... Uh, <laughs> At the time, I uh, I didn't believe him, of course, and you know Des was a very big name in footy, and I thought, well, you know, he's having a bit of a lender be, so I didn't go uh, go and answer the door. And after a minute or two, he said, uh, "You better go. He's actually out there." So uh, I got up and went, and sure enough, Des was there with uh, uh, Jimmy Matthews, our Essendon recruiting manager, and yeah, Des just said, uh, "Yeah, we've been having a bit of a look at you in the local area." And, would you come up and uh, train that next Thursday with the seniors, which, you know, immediately s- sent me, uh, sent shockwaves uh, through me with the uh, the uh, training with the seniors uh, from, you know, just playing local footy. So, uh, yeah, it went from there. What sort of junior player were you there at West Essendon Youth Club, Gary? Uh, well, I was playing mainly um, sort of centre-half forward, that sort of role, uh, Sometimes in the ruck, I was quite tall at that stage for mm. my age. And, um, yeah, I just played uh, in sort of those sort of key positions and uh, maybe in the centre. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, playing um, in roles where, uh, you know, I enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, but then as, as the years went on, of course, and, and you're playing at the top level, it was more of a wing role, half-back as well in general. But you didn't mind sneaking forward, or at least you were put forward um, with great effect. Do you remember your biggest haul? Uh, yeah, I kicked um, seven goals against Richmond one day in 81, I think, in the um, the MCG, which probably stands out as my uh, best day as far as goal kicking goes, yeah. Round, round 381, I think it was. Yeah, yeah I remember Fantastic. that one. Yeah, but then I think Kevin Sheedy, one of your four coaches, once said famously that um, you know Gary Folds could go to the toilet and find the ball. It was a quote that that lives on in time, and it, I think it has an unlikely truth to it, though, doesn't it? Uh, yes, uh, it does. Believe it or not, we um, <laughs> we went to a uh, practice match up at I think it was 
uh, Warwick Nabil one uh, one year. We were playing, I think, Collingwood. Anyway, we're in the um, the local rooms there and warming up, and um, the players were just kicking the ball around in rather small rooms and uh, up one one corridor there uh, were the toilets and. Uh, I went there just while the warm-up was going on and balls were flying around here and there and all of a sudden one sort of came down and bounced outside the toilet with had no door on and just all of a sudden bounced up into my arms. And, uh, you know, um, I think that story has um, has been uh, been told a bit and um, been uh, put down through the ages, yeah. Yeah, so literally, as Kevin Sheedy described it, what is it with some of those uh, toilet doors and some of those old school change rooms, Gary? They just didn't have doors on them. <laughs> That's right. It was pretty much, uh, you know, um, maybe letting a little bit more air into the area or whatever. <laughs> no room for modesty. Um, you were a model of consistency for such a long period of time. As I said, 300 games, two flags, and yet... You know, I hope you don't mind me saying this. You were low profile. Well, you know, there were the likes of Madden, Vanderhaar, Watson. They were in the limelight. I, I take it though, this was just how you wanted it. Yeah, I didn't mind that, Sam. Uh, I must admit, um, we had uh, we had a great to- uh, team, as uh, people know, through the '80s there, and uh, plenty of great star type players who uh, gained plenty of attention. So, myself and a few other players probably um, were happy to. Uh, you know, get our uh, our jobs done and be part of it without uh, having to, um, you know, be uh, be in the limelight all that much or you know uh, most of the time. So for me, it suited me, you know, in the way I like to go about it. Yeah, I think that uh, probably contributed to the fact that uh, it was, I was sort of uh, uh, probably a bit underrated at one stage. There, I think uh, that was a term that was spoken about me quite often. That uh, I may have become the most overrated, underrated player in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a, a clever play, Gary. Yeah. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life at Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We're speaking with 300-game bomber Gary Folds. Next, we'll get Gary's thoughts on the men who coached him throughout his career. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. And we're chatting with Essendon stalwart Gary Folds. Gary, you played under four coaches in his 16 years with the Bombers. Now, as you mentioned, Des Tuddenham was the first. He knocked on the door of your house many years ago. Now, Des was an intimidating force in his playing days. Many people remember that, but... It very much carried into his coaching, didn't it? Yes, Sam certainly did. And uh, for a young player starting off, uh, to have someone like Des as coach was um, yeah, a bit of a wake-up call because uh, he certainly led by example, uh, certainly uh, off the field uh, with training and also on the field when he played, which was um, an experience to actually play with him. But um, I quickly learnt that his pre-match speeches were something to be uh, handled with care because uh, quite often he'd be uh, remonstrating and, you know, old school geeing the players up and uh, grabbing guys and um, pushing them around and that sort of thing. And I think the first couple of weeks that uh, Simon Madden and myself played, we uh, quickly learned to 
stand up at the back of the uh, the pack while he was giving his uh, pre-match address just before we went out in the ground because uh, I'm sure we uh, avoided quite a few uh, injuries before we even got out there. <laughs> yeah. So if you're in the front row, you're every chance of being used as a prop. Oh, for sure, yeah. He got really, uh, really revved up and... Uh, you know that's the way he uh, he coached, and uh, it did uh, did have a good effect. Because uh, when he came to the club, we were pretty uh, pretty mediocre, and we did have a good uh, lot of improvement there for the first couple of years he was there. Billy Stephen came next. He was one of our recent guests on this show. Actually, he was a coach of yours as well. A little bit different to Des. Oh yes, he's a fantastic man, uh, Bill, and um, yeah, a really uh, great man of footy and. Yeah, it was a privilege to play under Bill. He was, uh, as you said, quite uh, quite different in his approach. He was uh, more a, uh, a teacher to that extent with footy, and he had a lot to do with bringing a lot of the uh, younger players mm. at the time uh, along to later on become part of the, um, the 80s premierships. And he did play a uh, significant role in that in that regard. That's for sure. Barry Davis was the third in line. Now, you're a big fan, I think, I've read of his tactics and training techniques. Did he did he get long enough in the end, Barry, do you think, Gary? Um, yeah, well, Barry was, uh, you know, I think it's been said on occasions, probably coached a little bit ahead of his time when he was coaching. He, uh, he was very much into a bit more of a, the uh, scientific approach as far as training goes and that sort of thing. And I think... Uh, he probably would have done a um, or been a better coach than he was if he had another go at it a bit later on. I'm sure he would have been a uh, uh, you know a good success. And uh, even though he had some success, he um, he uh, at times was um, probably a little bit uh, uh, not intimidated, but just wanted success you know very quickly. And uh, I think at that stage we were struggling a bit, and he. Um, he elected not to uh, not to go on at that time. So, uh, but Barry, uh, you know, had a lot of great attributes as well. And then along came a man who would become, obviously, much later a, a legend of the game in Kevin Sheedy. Now he'd done his homework, hadn't he, Sheeds? He came into the club one day, and if anyone doubted that he hadn't done his homework, he certainly proved them wrong. He gave you all some pretty straight up and down and honest feedback. But, uh, yes, in his first couple of meetings with the uh, the players, I remember and. He uh, he certainly done his homework, as you said. Uh, he knew things about players which you know I thought he probably wouldn't know, uh, and certainly um, laid down you know the law quite early on about expectations and particularly of you know, individuals and uh, as a group. So uh, yeah, he was certainly a coach who was um, you know prepared and, and waiting to go. Yeah. And Gary, did you get a, a turn in the spotlight with Sheeds? What did he have to say about? It? Did you remember? Well, on this this particular occasion, he uh, I'd, I'd had a very good year in uh, 1979 and a pretty mediocre one in '80, and um, I'd played state footy in '79, and he'd uh, came in in '81 at the start of that year and said that um, you know uh, what are you what have you been doing for the last year? You should be back to that uh, form of '79, and that's what we, you know I expect that to happen and. So yeah, sort of put uh, put it on to me uh, at that stage to to improve. Yeah. 
Well, Sheeds carries us into our next segment. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobram Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. That next segment, Gary, will get your recollections of the glory days at Essendon after this. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We're chatting with former Essendon star Gary Foles. Now, Gary, under Sheedy, you played some pretty good footy and the team continued to grow. But before we get to the flags, you played in three losing elimination finals in four years, I think it was, before you finally got over that hump and you advanced to the 1983 grand final. How does 83 live on with you now? Obviously, a 83-point hammering uh, from the Hawks. Yeah, well, that's right, uh, Sam. It was a, an unusual year. It was a, uh, a great year as far as you know, winning games for us uh, went, and I think we uh, had been gradually building towards that. And uh, I think we went into that uh, final series uh, quite confident, but also I think the fact was there that we hadn't uh, been to a grand final, and. Uh, I think in the end that uh, told pretty badly on us uh, the way we uh, may have approached that uh, grand final and the way the, the, the game went. We weren't, uh, we weren't in the, uh, the game at all. So, um, but uh, it was a good year as far as, as I said, uh, gaining confidence and knowing that we could match it with the, uh, the best teams in the competition. You obviously caught on the hop uh, in that 83 decider right from the first quarter and you were down by four goals at quarter time. But, Gary, what's the feeling like out on the ground in, in a grand final, especially your first one, when the game's just getting away from you like that? Yeah, I think, look, it's all a um, such a big build-up, especially being your first grand final and taking in all the uh, pre-match uh, things that happen during the week and the training's a lot different, of course, with the big crowds at training and that sort of thing so it was something that I think you have to uh, you know you can go through before you uh, are successful you might you might have a, a loss along the way but um, yeah the game itself uh, I felt pretty uh, okay myself I uh, after a few minutes I just sort of settled into a uh, into the game and I didn't um, I didn't feel too overwrought or anything like that as far as that went when I was out on the ground. But uh, we were uh, really uh, under the pump, as you said, right from the start. And we were making a lot of mistakes. And uh, Hawthorne were very uh, very accomplished, as we know, and took full advantage of it. And uh, uh, it wasn't long before, you know, the game had slipped away from us. Yeah, well, as you, as you say, I mean, you did fulfil your end of the bargain. A team I had 27 disposals. On the day, I mean, was it any consolation at all? Did you were you at least able to walk away with your head held high from a personal perspective? Well, I suppose you know, Sam, that the players you know talk about the fact that you know, and it is the most important thing the team wins. But everybody wants to make a contribution themselves, and if you can, well, then you you certainly would feel uh, a little better than if you didn't. So um, in that regard, I suppose I did. Uh, but um, the aftermath of the game uh, wasn't uh, wasn't great, and that particular night was uh, a night where we uh, we had Kevin talking to the 
faithful who'd gathered at the Southern Cross and uh, the players were told in no uncertain terms not to uh, appear to be uh, in any way uh, happy about anything at all. And mm. I think we uh, we know that he told everybody that he didn't want to see anyone with a smile on their face or, uh, you know, he would be very uh, unhappy with that. So, yeah, the stage was set from there to um, make amends for uh, what had happened. Yeah, well, you very much did that, didn't you? So it was back-to-back flags, obviously and famously, in 1984-85. And uh, as fortune would have it, or it was just meant to be, Hawthorne were the opponents again in 84. And it looked like more of the same at half-time and even three-quarter time. So you're down by 23 points at three-quarter time of the 84 grand final, Gary. Now, in those moments, do the dark thoughts of 83 return? Well, certainly early in that game, I think uh, they they did. Uh and that first half wasn't particularly good. So, yeah, you could probably say that we, you know, as, as a collective group, um, we, we looked that way, that we might be in trouble again. But um, I think uh, after half time we certainly played a lot better in that third quarter, even though the uh, results weren't on the board. We, we felt that we uh, were getting on top and that uh, if we maintained that sort of uh, output that... You know, things could turn around, and uh, it came to you know three quarter time as you said, and we were at four goal margin, which you know uh, we thought was within our uh, our capabilities to uh, to overcome. And uh, so and we thought, especially Hawthorne had a f- couple of older players at the time that um, we thought we might be able to um, you know uh, run over the top of them with um, our fitness and whatever, and a bit of youth. So. Uh, yeah, we, we, we didn't give up hope, uh, certainly, three-quarter time. Merritt got it to the back of McCarthy, recovers well, goes for hand pass to the blonde-headed Harvey. A kick up there towards the full forward position. Vanderhaar knocked on. Here's a now for Weston. He's put it through for a goal. What a match winner this guy's been. It's set a half forward. This premiership is Sheedy's premiership with these tremendous moves he's made, Bob. Into this quarter by just on 35 minutes. There's the siren. Essendon winning their first flag since 1965. And the final scores, Essendon 14-21, 105-12-9-81. Full marks to Essendon, a great performance, but all the plays would uh, have to go to their case. Gary, that last quarter in 84 certainly hasn't become any less incredible as the years have gone on. So you kick 9-6-2-1 in the last quarter of that grand final. I mean... All these years yeah. later, can you put your finger on it? Was it fitness, as you alluded to a little bit there? Was it form, or was it tactics from Sheeds? Yeah, I think it probably a combination of all those uh, things, Sam. I think that uh, the way uh, he gave us uh, quite a lot of confidence at three-quarter time, the way he spoke to the group, and the fact that um, you know we needed to be up and about early in the last quarter, and that certainly happened, I think, with um, Leon Baker kicking a first goal that you know, brought the margin back. And from then on, uh, I think another goal that then would have um, given us so much confidence, but also um, so to, yeah, a bit of doubt in Hawthorne's mind as a group. So it was uh, something that uh, just then took off and the crowd got involved, of course. Yes, and supporters had been starved of success for so long. So I think a, a whole combination of things. And, and I think we just got on a... Uh, a role which happens with some teams in certain quarters and, and Hawthorne probably were the ones with the doubt in their mind. So, uh, 
Yeah, look, it was certainly a great, uh, a great last quarter and one that um, Essendon fans remember, uh, well, will remember for uh, for a long time. And I've quite often met uh, many times people uh, at events or functions through the club or just in uh, general mm. life who say, say to me they uh, they just come home from being out maybe one night and they sit down and they say, oh. <laughs> Wasn't wasn't feeling too good, so what I, I put the last quarter of the '84 Grand Final on and cheered me up no end. So um, you know that still goes on. So it's medicinal. That's fantastic as well. And you mentioned you got on a roll. The roll continued right beyond the final siren, right into the summer, seemingly right in the preseason and right into '85 because you absolutely steamrolled your way to your 14th premiership. This one was comprehensive in uh, in every sense. But I don't know whether it's unfortunate or not. But the game best remembered for that bench-clearing brawl after the bouncer course in 85. Now they're having a go again. We tip this. This will be on for Young and Old before it's over. Michael and McCarthy. Well, they're going in now, and Hawthorne are not taking any funny business today. Look at them going in, piling in there. Players falling over left and right. You pick it up, and you'll find the fighters there. Matthews and Watson. Look at them piling up. This is the best I've ever seen for in a grand final bar. I can't recall. Look, God. Oh, golly, Peter. Talk about stacks on the mill. You've never seen anything like this. How they'll unravel them, I don't know, Peter. Well, there could be every player on the ground is involved, and you could book the whole two sides, Bob, couldn't you? You really could book the whole two sides. Yes, you certainly could, and uh, if, if they're going to start reporting, they'll be writing for quite a while, so it could be a long quarter. And they need a couple more new books, couldn't they? The trainers coming out to try and cool a few heads, but as you said, not really surprising. Bertie Dippy Domenico uh, seemed to be quite happy because uh, he was uh, smiling when the boundary umpire took his number, so obviously he was uh, hit. Well, Pete, I heard good. Uh, one, would, great... one wouldn't know who to report. No. The whole point is this. Uh, You'd be a bit unlucky, wouldn't in, you? In a situation like that, when uh, most players are involved, anybody who is picked out is certainly unlucky. I heard on the grapevine before the game that Hawthorne weren't going to take any funny business today. If this didn't start, but this is that bounce back. Well, I don't know who started that. Well, we're not uh, saying who started it, but uh, that was the, uh, uh, the little bit of a tip that I got. It certainly looks as though it's going to be on for Young and I'll They'll settle down after quarter time, I would say. Oh, yes, the uh, the big brawl. That was incredible. Uh, yeah, uh, just appeared, you know, that the, the, the things just erupted. And uh, I think probably every every player was sort of involved there at one stage. And there was a lot of stuff going on in close and uh, in the surrounds that... Um, you know, these days would have been dissected very carefully, but uh, I think some things were, yeah, some players got away with a few things there because there's a lot going on. And uh, yeah, I just, um, I lined up on that uh, particular day on um, Chopper Handley for uh, Hawthorne, right out on the uh, boundary line in front of the members' stand, and the uh, the fight was uh, over on the other wing. So when that happened, we started running over him and myself and it was quite uh, unusual just running all that way thinking about what's going to happen when you get there and uh, yeah so it was on for young and old by the time we got there but fortunately uh, it was almost finished. Fair enough now you ended up uh, at the end of that game and I think at the end of 84 as well did you end up with the ball in your hands at the final siren in both premierships? Uh, I did um, in one I think it was the 84 grand final Terry Danaher had possession and uh, yep. handball to be just as the siren was going and I was 
pretty excited, so I turned and kicked the ball into the crowd. You uh, roosted it. Torpedo. Yeah. And then the following year, I had the ball in my hand again at the siren, and, uh, about half back, and I looked up, uh, turned and kicked it. I think I kicked it to around uh, just to where the girls, the girlfriends and wives were sitting, and I um, don't know if it ever made it up there. I don't think it did, but... Uh, yeah, certainly an unusual situation there. Do you regret doing that? Do you regret not just hanging on to one of them, Gary? Yeah, I should have hung on to two of them and, uh, <laughs> you know, called out a um, you know, one of the trainers to look after them. It would have been uh, a couple of good footies to have in your, your keeping. No doubt about that. It would be great to have the 85 ball, that's for sure. And you played one more final. It was the following year, beaten by one point uh, by Fitzroy in 86. And... That would be the end of September action, September footy for you. Yeah, that following year we had uh, a lot of problems with the team. Um, two or three players leave. Paul Weston went back to South Australia. Merv Nagel went to Sydney. Um, we had a couple of injuries, bad injuries to Tim and uh, uh, Darren Williams, I think, and Leon Baker. So the uh, the team went from being you know super strong to pretty depleted there for a while so uh, we, we did struggle in 86 to make an impact that's for sure. So a few years later 1989 round 21 it's Essendon Sydney at the SCG and it's your 300th game Gary how special was that? Yeah that was uh, great to be able to get to that milestone I'd uh, struggled though and I probably thought it wasn't going to happen actually during the year I'd, I'd played the first few games and uh, played okay, and then I got hurt. I uh, hurt my hamstring quite high up and um, done a, uh, did a fair bit of damage to it, so I had to sit out for a few weeks and then um, came back and played some reserves. And, yeah, it didn't look like uh, I was going to get there, but Sheeds uh, did pull me aside one, one night just before uh, that game and said, I'm going to play you this week, and... Uh, that uh, I said that's that's great, and you know, so it, it did eventuate, but uh, it was certainly a struggle, and uh, I uh, I got there, but uh, just barely, yeah. Yeah. So, did you know at the time that that was to be your last game, or at least you suspected it would be? Not really. I, I, I didn't really have any firm discussions about it, but um, yeah, I uh, I played. Um, I thought I'd you know, held, held my own okay, but uh, yeah, during that week, um, yeah, I thought um, things w- were a little different, and I thought maybe that um, I mightn't be uh, playing the following week, uh, as it turned out. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, I had to make a decision, taking into account how my body was feeling and um, whatever, so I decided to... Uh, contemplate the uh, retirement and I uh, thought it through and and uh, went ahead with that actually yeah 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 I'm, I'm assuming you never regretted that in the aftermath I mean you had you seemed from the outside looking in to get absolutely everything out of yourself and you had a marvelous CV at the end of it all no one's happy to retire but did you retire satisfied uh yeah certainly did um yeah it was becoming pretty difficult to tr- yeah after training for a long time I, I wasn't um uh, you know, super enthusiastic about pre-seasons again and, <laughs> you know, the time commitment, um, which 
have never been great with the pre-seasons, but um, yeah, so I had to make a decision. Uh, in hindsight, I may have, you know, played a couple of more games that year. We had some injuries, I think, in the '89 final series. Probably may have got in, but um, yeah. Look, after a while, you just say, yeah, I got uh, got it done, and um, uh, I was wrapped in being able to get to that 300 and have a, a long career. Oh, that's fantastic. We're chatting to Gary Folds here on This Is Your Sporting Life, all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We'll be back shortly to chat about Gary's life after VFL footy. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Sporting Life, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Gary Folds played 300 games for the Bombers before retiring in 1989. Where did life take you after leaving Windy Hill, Gary? Well, Sam, I, uh, I was teaching at the time still, and I decided uh, a bit of a change of direction there, so I bought a um, licensed liquor store with... Uh, couple of teammates, Max Crow and Roger Merritt, and uh, was working there, and uh, I was approached, so I had a year off, and then I was approached by a few clubs to coach, so um, one of them I, I took up the option was in the Golden Valley League with uh, the Marupna Footy Club, and my uh, my wife and uh, our kids, three young kids, we uh, we ventured up to uh, here, the Golden Valley, and uh, lived up there and I coached uh, Marupna for uh, two years in the uh, and played actually in the Golden Valley. Yeah, great part of great part of the world. Yeah, well, it was good, uh, you know, just being always a city person to experience that uh, country lifestyle and get to know people up there and how things uh, how things work. So uh, yeah, it was a good yeah you know, good experience. And after that though, um, only coached and played there for two years and then the opportunity came up to uh, coach the Murray Bush Rangers in the under-18 league for the following year. So I took that uh, took that option up then. And was that one of their earlier years? Was that their first season, the Bushies, or, or not? Uh, yeah, it was their very first year in the um, under-18 league, which was a pretty big thing. Certainly up there we had uh, some clubs who were in favour and some clubs who were no doubt against it and very reluctant for their players to you know play at another in another competition so all those things were about in that first year and had a lot of travelling to do and uh, I coached the squad up in the um, Ovens and Murray and the squad in Golden Valley and came together on a Thursday night to train and so it was all, uh, all a lot of uh, new stuff going on but you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it and had some uh, three or four really good players who came out of that year. Um, Fraser Gerry was in my uh, team that year and uh, Adam Uzay, another one, who uh, yeah. went on to have a great career. And Joel Smith, who played at um, St Kilda and Hawthorne. So, yeah, it was good to play uh, and coach those young boys at the time and see them go on. 
Yes, few handy players there, no doubt about that. And and was yeah. it upon returning to Melbourne that you started coaching where close to where it all began for you at St Bernard's? Yes, that's right. So I came back and um, uh, I did um, I did a little bit of recruiting for a while for um, for Brisbane of um, all clubs, uh, and um, so that was a bit of an experience through a friend. Oh, at the time, Kinnear Beetson, who um, is still um, still uh, recruiting for Sydney, and um, so that was an experience. And then um, got approached you know, to coach for St Bernards and in the A grade amateurs, which was uh, was uh, something that you know I, I thought would be a good thing to do. And yeah, so coached there for five years, which was uh, was good to uh, get involved back with a few, well, quite a lot of people I already knew who were ex. St Burns people who are now with the uh, the old boys. There's quite a few people, Gary, who say that '85 Essendon side was one of the best sides ever, best squads ever put together. Do you keep in touch with a lot of those guys and your former Essendon teammates? I guess you're lucky enough to have the premiership reunions as well. Uh, yes, we had some great uh, reunions over the years where the clubs, um, you know, uh, put on a, a night for us and. Uh, a lot of supporters. I think the first one we had after 10 years, I think we had about 1,300 at the uh, Palladium uh, that night. And the team's always yeah been a very popular team with the uh, with supporters. But um, yeah, just personally, yeah, we, we we get a chance to stay in touch. I um, myself and uh, Terry Danaher, as I mentioned before, and uh, Kevin Walsh, uh, Alan Stoneham, I see a lot and. Uh, Paul Vanderhaar. Um, yeah, so we uh, we get together quite regularly for dinner and uh, that sort of thing because the, uh, the wives get on very well as well, so it's always a good thing, yeah. That's handy. Uh, what's your passion for sport like now, Gary? I know you're mad into your golf. Yeah, I'm playing a lot more golf now. just uh, joined a couple of years ago at a uh, club in uh, Maribyrn on Medway, and we, uh, I play once or twice a week there, so uh, yeah, that's always been a um, a big interest of mine. Also, uh, I like a punt on the uh, horses, so uh, that's uh, always there to uh, keep me occupied. And um, yeah, of course, the family uh, as well. Um, kids have grown up now, but we've got a grand- uh, grandson late last year, so that's uh, a new uh, new thing for us to get involved in as well. It's great. Uh, great stuff. All care, no responsibility. You can just spoil a rotten and hand them back, Gary. It's good life as a grandparent, I'd imagine. Um, it's it's been a long time between drinks for your bombers, hasn't it? I mean, they haven't won a final since two thousand and four. Now, where are they at? Do you think as we resume the twenty twenty season? Yes, it's uh, it's been a, as you said a long drought, and uh, the pressure sort of seems to mount each year that uh, things don't get done, or we you know haven't won a final for that long, but. Uh, yeah, just from afar, things appear to be, you know, going okay, and uh, the players seem to be able to, um, you know, talk about the uh, unity and the direction they want to go in and that sort of thing. But probably now it's at the stage that the supporters are getting pretty uh, restless and they want to see some results. And I think this year, um, even though so different it is, but. Yeah, the club uh, needs to perform you know, more consistently and uh, play a uh, 
type of game that the supporters can appreciate, I think. And, you know, I quite often get them saying to me over the last couple of years, just the way, the actual way they play is so disappointing that, um, you know, they, they, they can tend to lose interest. So they've got to get back that uh, passion and um, intensity and that in their game and, and, and make sure they can do it for a long periods of time. Yeah, and you mentioned you're still keeping semi-regular contact with Terry Danaher. You obviously played a lot of footy with Tez. What about young Joe? What What would your advice be for someone like him, Gary? Yeah, certainly, you know, the difficult thing, I suppose, is he's in the spotlight. He's a big-name player now, and, uh, you know, he can't really do much without being noticed. And uh, no doubt he's been frustrated for a couple of years, as we know, with injury, but... I think uh, the club's tried to do as much as they can to get him back, and I'm sure he has as well. Mm. So, you know, I think if things turn around injury-wise and he can get uh, strong again and be able to put games together, that that would build his um, confidence and his performance up, and I'm sure the, you know, hopefully he'd be encouraged by that and play for many years to come. Well, thank you so much for the memories, Gary. Jeez, it was an amazing journey at the highest level for you. You gave everything of yourself to your beloved Bombers, as we said, over a 16-year playing career, and we appreciate your time today. No worries. Thanks very much, Sam. Gary Folds there, and thanks for your time too. You've been listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We'll catch you next week to celebrate the life of another sporting icon. Is coming in gold and a world record. Ian Thorpe, the birth of a legend. 458 is the total, out of which Bradman has made 309 not out to world's record. First ball in Test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.